this morning. I don't mean who did you ride with, although that is an interesting thing to think about. I remember when I was in seminary, we learned that if your church averaged the same amount, same number of people in worship that it did in the 1950s, that you had to have double the parking lot today that you did then. Because no one would ever possibly think of taking multiple vehicles when the family was all going to one place, right? I believe at one time we've probably had, the Lees have had five cars here, I think. I mean, it's happened. And so we, we all kind of come our own way now. Of course, we're a short drive. But uh, I don't mean how you drove. I don't really mean how you walked into church. I know some of you probably sashayed in and some of you strolled in and some of you were just dragging in. You know, you were doing the best that you could to get here and we're just glad you're here however you came in. And others of you are saying, oh, you don't know, want to know how I got here this morning uh, because you would preach about my family situation and all that was said and done on the way here, trying to get out of the house, trying to get people dressed, trying to get going. But I want to I ask, how did you come to church internally? What was your mindset? What was your uh, emotional being? How was it? What were you thinking about as you prepared to come to church and as you came to church this morning? Because believe it or not, a lot of the things that we focus on, like what we wear and what we get and all these other things, the Bible doesn't really say anything, but it has a lot to say with our hearts and minds, how they are prepared, how they are when we come into worship. And that's what Psalm 100, that is our verse of the day, our chapter of the day, that's what it's all about. Would you stand with me as we read Psalm 100? And I'm reading uh, from the NIV today. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's pray. God, you are so, so good. Lord, you have given us a multiplicity of reasons to praise you. And God, we pray that our hearts not just our bodies, but our hearts, our souls, our spirits, our minds would all be fully engaged in worshiping you, not only this day, but every day. We pray that you would bless the reading and proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name, we say amen. And you may be seated. So, this is interesting. You know, sometimes we sing a... Uh, we, we sing a song, and we sing it without even thinking about uh, what the words actually say. And we do that with everyday songs on the radio, you know, some of the silliest things that have ever been known to man. We'll sing if they're along and have a good beat, you know. Uh, but we can even do that in church, where the things we sing are actually supposed to mean something. They're supposed to be our theology, and, and it's very interesting, especially when songs are taken straight from Scripture, and, and the Psalms are such a good uh, storehouse of, uh, because they were songs. 
for the Hebrew people. And so when we sing shout to the Lord this morning, it's very interesting. We sing shout to the Lord. And yet most of us have told our children, don't shout in church. Never, ever shout in church. And we probably didn't even ever make some exceptions, like unless you were just compelled by the Holy Spirit, or, or unless the preacher really, you could tell he needed a little affirmation, or the sermon was really good. We, we probably didn't even give any of those exceptions. We've just told our children, now don't, don't be loud in church. Uh, don't, don't shout in church. And we say, well, that's a, that's a song. Maybe that was, that was some charismatic or non-denominational people that made up that song, and, you know, they're just out there. No, that's Scripture. That's the psalmist, God speaking through the psalmist as he says, shout to the Lord. The idea is, as human beings, we shout when we get into a couple of emotions. And one of them's not so good. I mean, sometimes it's a little anger or competitiveness. I tell you, uh, Denise, she will watch the rest of us play games. She will not enter into us playing games. It doesn't matter if it's board games, video games, whatever, because we have a tendency to get into these games just a little bit, and, and our voices kind of get louder and louder, and she's like, I can't believe it. I'm like, we're just having fun. Come on now. Let's, you know, don't, don't you know? But uh, you know, some, some folks don't have fun that way. But the other reason we shout is when we're extremely happy, when something is so good. I mean, we, we can't help it. it. It may be hallelujah, or it may be woohoo. You know, it, it might be anything, but some way, wherever we are, oh boy, oh yeah, that's right, that's awesome. Somehow, when we get excited, we're going to, we're going to proclaim it. We're going to say it. It's the interesting thing to me about the worship that we see in the Psalms and that we see in, in the Old Testament, it is so real. That it is so widespread. We tend to homogenize church. And what I mean, we, we tend to make it kind of plain and like the same thing every Sunday. We come in and we're supposed to be happy and nice and we don't get too excited. We don't come in here with tears. You know, it's kind of like let's, let's keep our emotions in a certain parameter. But when you look and in Scripture at the people of God, they didn't bottle up their feelings, their emotions, their thoughts. When they came, they didn't like, oh, I can show it at home to my family, but when I come to worship, let me just put everything in a nice little box. No, that's not how they were. They came before the Lord. Sometimes it was weeping, lamenting, and great sorrow and sadness. Other times they came before the Lord, and they were jubilant. They were excited. They were shouting. They were saying, yes, our God, our Lord is God. He is the one. He is the creator. He is the sustainer of everything. And, and they were allowed to do that. They didn't feel like they had to pull it all together. They didn't feel like they had to worry about what everybody else around them thought. They were able to simply express their emotions. And, you know, the, the, the scriptures just tell us that we should come into worship in a certain way. He says, worship the Lord with gladness. Does this mean that we ignore the bad things that happen in our life? No. It doesn't mean that we pretend that all of our circumstances, whether it's our, our health or our relationships or our bank account, we don't come in and pretend like everything is, is just all awesome. But what we do is 
We find gladness in what God is doing in our lives despite the circumstances. In, in spite of whatever difficulty you're facing at work or school or home, we can say, God, I'm glad to be here. It is a choice that we choose to say, when I'm coming into this place, I'm not coming in here just out of habit. I'm not coming in here because mama's going to ask me if I went to church today. I'm not coming in here because, you know, whatever, I'm just used to it. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to choose to be glad in worship. Sometimes gladness and sadness can mix. Sometimes we have some sorrow in our heart, and yet we can come in and be glad for the Lord. Might be that we've lost someone. I lost a great uncle this week, my last living uncle. And I loved all my aunts and uncles, but, you know, most of them were three hours or six hours or whatever hours away. This was my next door uncle. And he lived to 90. Not a lot of guys make it that long. And, you know, I, I had been talking to my mom for the last several weeks, and we'd kind of been hearing, you know, this is, he, he's not doing good, things are, and he'd been through cancer, he'd been through heart problems. And I was just beginning to think he was going to live forever, because he was 90, and he'd beat all that stuff, and he just, he just kept going. But I got the call from my brother. Mom couldn't get in touch with me. My younger brother, Rob, called me. Said, I've got news about Uncle Julius. And I knew what he was going to say. And you know, as, as I have um, thought about that, has there been some, some sadness? Yeah. But there's been joy as I have thought about all that he meant, not just to me, but to so many people. He was an incredible guy. He, he had a, uh, a degree from MIT in engineering and a degree from William and Mary in physics. Kind of smart, okay? Kind of a smart guy. And he wasn't just book smart, but he could do, he could build anything. He could tear down any truck and put it back together. I mean, the guy could just do anything. And I was just kind of in, in awe of him. What, one of the things beyond his brilliance and his ability was that he loved the Lord. And he was going to do what was right, no matter what. Occasionally, I thought that was a little bit too extreme sometimes, almost. I mean, I remember one day we were going down the road, and this was when the, the highways, the interstates, held 55 as the maximum limit. I happened to peek forward from the back seat. I'm riding with my aunt and uncle, and there it is stuck, 53. I said, Uncle Julius, you can go a little faster. He's like, we had the odometer and the speed checked, and it's two miles off. So he was going down the road at 53. Three, I'm going to confess my sin in front of you, church. I am not that diligent, okay? Uh, I have gone more than two miles an hour over. But he had this idea of what's right's right, and I'm going to do what's right, and I'm going to live right. And, and, and I've had this last couple of days, you know, those, uh, those thoughts of how I'm going to miss him. But I've also had those thoughts of he and my cousin Paul together. A few of you may remember me talking about my cousin Paul, who was the same age as me. We grew up together, kindergarten, graduated together, roomed together our freshman year at Mississippi State. And when I was 22 years old, I got a call one night from my dad. I said, son, 
I've got some news. And his voice, and it was like 5 in the morning, I knew something was bad. I, I, first thing I thought about was my brother, my younger brother at stake, but it was Paul. He'd been killed uh, in a head-on collision um, by a drunk driver over in Starkville. I saw how that affected my aunt and uncle and my two cousins and how they lived with that all these years. He spoke to, to mothers against drunk driving groups all over, and, and things changed about him in their life, as you can only imagine. But I thought today, Paul and Julius, who went out and cut all those logs together, overhauled those old trucks together, did all these things together, went fishing and hunting together, and for so many years they were separated. And now they're back together. And it is our Christian faith and the hope that we have that allows us not to ignore the negative or the pain or the bad in this world, but rather to focus on that which is most important, and that is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so we are able to come to the Lord, not only in public worship, but also in private worship. I really believe that this psalm addresses both. Now, when he says in the, the latter part of it, I will enter into his courts with thanksgiving, I will enter through his gates with praise, that's talking about the temple. So that's public worship out in front of everybody. But I think he's also saying, hey, wherever you are, whenever you meet God, whenever you think about God in your life, rejoice and be happy, be glad about what God has done in your life. Why do we rejoice? Why do we have this type of gladness? The psalmist says, know that the Lord is God. Now, if you happen to be reading this out of your Bible, almost every translation is going to have something interesting when it gets to that word Lord. It's not just capital L, but it's capital O, capital R, capital D. And there's a reason. That's not a misprint or a typo. When in the Old Testament you read it and it's Lord in all capitals, that is the Hebrew name of God. The old German scholars used to call it Jehovah. Today we uh, tend to pronounce it Yahweh. We're not really sure exactly because the Old Hebrew, um, the old Hebrew Testaments, they, would, they didn't have vowels. So we know the consonants. Now if you're, you're going to go to seminary one day and study biblical languages, the, the, the ones you read today, they've got the vowels in there. But the old ancient text, they don't. And the Hebrew people were so careful about not wanting to take the, the Lord's name in vain, they wouldn't even say it after a while. They would just uh, have a euphemism, say something else or leave a blank. And so after a generation or two, they didn't know how to say it. Because all they had were the consonants, and no one who was living even had ever said it aloud anymore. So when we say it, whether it's Jehovah or Yahweh, don't say, oh, you're saying it wrong. Nobody knows. We may all be saying it wrong. But the point is, when you see the Lord is God, that's saying it's not just little g, any God out there, some pagan God, some other God. No, this is the, the God of the Bible. 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This specific God, he is the true God. He is the one and only true Lord of this universe. And he tells us, the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Why do we praise God? Because God made us, and not only did he make us, God tends to us. He takes care of us. God is not an absent parent. He is not neglectful. He is present, and he is working in our lives, even when we can't see it. If you've ever been a parent... You know that there have been many times when you've been working for your child's best and they have no idea. They don't get it. Maybe they're really mad at you and you can't, you can't just say, oh, if you only knew what I just bought for you. you know, or maybe they know exactly what you did, but they're really angry because they think it's something bad and you know it is for their good. Well, guess what? We're human beings, moms and dads, and and we make mistakes sometimes, but our Heavenly Father never does. He is always doing what is right for us. But we, in our limited vision and the small set of circumstances that we can see, we don't get that always. But He made us. He tends to us like a gentle shepherd. As the psalmist said elsewhere in, in chapter 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And by the way, that means be in need. (laughs) I shall not be in need because God will supply our every need. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his his courts with praise, and give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You see, not only is the Lord good, that means you know he always has the very best in mind, whether you see it or not, but it's never going to stop. Have you ever had someone do something good for you, but you're thinking, I know this is lasting until the first time I say something they disagree with, or, you know, until they run out of money, or until, you know, I make them mad or disagree with them. And you had this sense, well, this is nice now, but I'm not going to get used to them treating me nicely or whatever, because I think it may stop. And the psalmist tells us here, his love endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Every generation There's no expiration point. I was so sad the other day. I found a gift card. I'm not even going to say it where it was because I don't want you to think this was you. But I found a gift card that was given to me, not at this year's, okay, pastor appreciation, but last year's pastor appreciation. And I had actually used half of the gift card, but then they wrote the balance on it. And it's, you know, I was going to, and I found it the other day. It's kind of like when you find cash, you know, like, you know, you're getting out coats for the first time wintertime and you dig in the pocket. Oh, wow. Thank you, self, from last year. You know, I have some extra money that I didn't know about. Well, I was actually cleaning through my drawers, this very rare event. And, you know, and, and I'm clearing out a junk drawer and I find this gift certificate, and I get so excited because I love this place to eat. And I'm like, wow, I've still got money on there. And then I go down to the fine print, and I see that it expired about a month ago. <laughs> I'm going to have to go eat there anyway. I'm going to have to pay for it because I got it in my mind. I want that. 
I want that food. But here's the thing. God's love and his promises for us never expire. They don't run out. We don't have to read the fine print. We don't have to worry if God's trying to pull a fast one on us. God's love, his kindness, his goodness, it lasts forever. Now, I want you to do something. Here's a little audience participation time. All right, I want you to all turn to someone beside you, in front of you, behind me, or to an imaginary friend. I don't care who, okay? I want you to all whisper um, for about 10 seconds on the count of three. I want you to whisper because it's church and you've got to say something, but you don't want to get called out. So one, two, three, start whispering. All right, so the lesson here is when you whisper so you won't be heard, everybody hears you, right? Okay, that's, that's one lesson of the, that activity. But um, we, we've all whispered. Now, I, I want you to, in a, very, in a very just normal voice, on the count of three, I want you to say hallelujah, okay? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Oh, there was a little bit too much enthusiasm there. Whew. Okay, all right, all right. Now, this, this time, we're, we're going we're gonna to say amen, and uh, we, we'll do it not on the one, two, three. We'll kind of do it in the old-fashioned way. You know, there's, there's different ways preachers can hint that they want to amen. Uh, sometimes they can, they can kind of use the word amen as a one-word sentence in question, you know, like God is good. Amen? All right. Or they can say, boy, the Lord is good, and all God's people said there you go, that y'all are well trained. Or they may just pause after they say something very profound. And there's where you have to put on your thinking cap. Because it might be something really clever and, and funny that the pastor said. And you're supposed to laugh. Or maybe you should say amen. So you got to think for a minute. Those are tough ones. But, uh, but anyway, we're, we'll, just, we'll just do the, the all gods. People said, y'all already did it once, but I think we can do it a little bit more. God is good, and we should praise him with gladness. We should come into this place with thanksgiving and praise in our hearts. And all God people said? Amen. All right, all right. Now, I am so proud of you. But I tell you what, you know, what we are is sometimes we're a little bit afraid unless that someone specifically called. Yeah, that's right. Don't be afraid, Lee. And, um... We, we, we're afraid unless somebody specifically calls for it that, that maybe we'll be out of place. Look, I'm not saying be obnoxious about it. Now, one time when I was a kid from first grade up to 10th grade, I went to a church that, oof, there's a lot of feedback, okay? It, it, was, not, it was not just a one-way, it was a dialogue. And I remember Miss Cook and Miss Carpenter sat over here, and boy, they amened all the, preach it, preacher, preach it, amen. And, 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 uh, and then many of the men as well. One day we had a revival, and we had these other preachers come in, and one sat behind me, and he hollered so loud that my ears were, my little Timmy's ears were hurting, okay? <laughs> and I did this. Well, that it completely embarrassed my mother that I was holding my hands over my ears. So, you know, my mom and dad, I don't know what, pinching thumping, smacking, threatening, whatever. And I'm like, my ears hurt. 
So I'm not saying be like that guy and be obnoxious about it. But I'm saying feel free when you come into the house of the Lord and you're sad and you need a touch from him, feel free to say, God, I need you. And when you are thinking about God's blessings and you've prepared to come in with thanksgiving, come in and say, praise God. Thank you, Lord, that I can be here today. This is a place, I love the old saying, that the church is not a a museum, it's a hospital. It's not a place where we all come and look so everybody can be looked at all pretty, but it's a place that we can come with all of our wounds and scars and flaws, and we can be real about them, and the Lord and his people can worship and fellowship together, and we can find healing and hope together with one another. So when you come into this place, I hope it is with praise and with thanksgiving. Remembering, y'all don't do this for me, and I don't do this for y'all. It's all for him. We have an audience of one. Like Rick Warren says, there is a God, and you're not him. And I'm not him either. The Lord, he is the one God. Would you pray with me? God, you're so good. And we don't always see that. Our knowledge, our comprehension, our minds are too small to get it sometimes. But God, what we can't see with our eyes, we can trust with our hearts that you're good. And you forever settled the question of your love for us on Calvary. Where your son Jesus said, I love you this much. And he spread his arms on the cross, and he took on every single one of our sins. Father, you love us so much, and that love endures forever. And so I pray that we would take this truth of Psalm 100 that we've discussed today, and Lord, that we would hide it in our hearts, and that we would live it out, so that when we come to you in private worship in our living room or closet or wherever, when we get all by ourselves to read your word and pray, or when we come into this place for corporate worship as joining together as this body of Christ, however we worship, that we'd come in with gladness because you are God and you are good and that lasts forever. Lord, would you bless this time of response As we come to you with whatever it is that's going on, some of us need healing and hope. We're hurting. And God, we we simply need you to comfort us. And some of us, we've been convicted because we hadn't been living right, and we need to confess and seek your forgiveness. And some of us are burdened with others, and we need to just lift those burdens up to you. And God's... Some of us have specific callings that you've placed on our life, and and this is a time for us to respond to whatever you're calling us to do. Some of these things are private. Some of them are public. Maybe somebody here today, God needs to acknowledge you. But Lord, whatever it is, let us be obedient. Follow you in faith in this time of invitation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.